Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in into the Enablers podcast. As this is the first ever collaborative remote podcast episode that we've recorded, we did run into a few technical issues. Hence, there are a few discrepancies towards the audio. Have you guys bear with us and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to our podcast. Today is a bit of a special one because we're finally having a guest fulfilling one of our New Year's resolution. Okay, so our very first guest on the Enablers podcast is Nurul Yahi, also better known as Dear Do It from DearDoIt.com and also at Dear Do It on Twitter. She's a mom, she's a mom of two passionate about the intersection between psychology and personal financial management. So Nurul, if you would like to introduce yourself a bit more, it'll be nice to know your story. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. And I'm Nurul. Uh, I've been writing on Dear Do It since uh, two years ago. And it's been a very interesting journey. And I've learned, I think I learned more from um, everybody else from the community about personal finance more and more after um, writing uh, India Do It. And a little bit introducing about myself. Um, I've loved personal finance since I was young. And the first time I heard about personal financial management is when I watched uh, the Susie Oman show. Mm-hmm. She was a guest star in Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. And she helped this struggling teen, teenager in college to manage your finance. And in my nine-year-old mind, I was thinking, how can a student who's not start starting to work have so much debt? And yeah. on top of mm-hmm. that credit card debt, how can a bank or a some someone can you just give a credit card to someone who's not even working that you know mm-hmm. that he's she's not coming in income? Mm. Well, later I found out that it's easier to get credit card from in America in other states in the world because um they want they encourage people to spend, but in my nine year old brain is like, oh, that's the easiest job to do. It's like just help people to manage their finances. It's so easy, right? It's like my mom gave me one ringgit. I just spend fifty cent and fifty cent. I'll save it lah. Why is it so difficult? <laughs> so yeah, that's how I started to know what I really really wanted to do in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. When I watched the Suzy Omoku. And I studied um, my degree in business administration, majoring in Islamic financial planning. Mm-hmm. And um, I did um, start out my career as a financial planner, but I didn't like the industry whereby I had, I was forced to do a lot of sales and I didn't, um, I wasn't allowed to spend a lot of time with the client. I which I love to do, which I love to talk to the client. I love to know about their background because that's how you really, really know what really ticks them and what really help them to um, fulfill their dreams financially. Mm-hmm. So I was very personal and I wasn't sale-oriented, so that's why I left mm-hmm. the job. And I jumped from another job to another job. And um, last two years, I started a job um, with an organization psychology company and that's why I really felt home right. psychology and yeah. every time yeah. she does training every time she helps people 
is where I really wanted to do. Like I, I felt like that is really my call. So yeah, that's what my New Year's resolution also to start my own, you know, uh, coaching coaching uh, business. So yeah, let's see how it goes this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask, just hearing your, since you say that your boss or your company does like coaching for um, psychology, is that something that you do on a day-to-day as well? Do you um, actually do coaching as well? No, I don't. I haven't started yet. I, I um, yeah, it's 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 a struggle for me to. Uh, yeah, I'm still building up confidence to coach people. It's like I mm. feel like I'm not good enough. It's right. like a fear that I need yeah. to. I need to yeah. I get need over to fight it. because yeah, get over it because actually I am good enough. It's just that yeah, I'm not I haven't get got to the point to to be a coach, to call myself a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But during the training, have... I, I, uh, during the training, I always like, um, I have a chance to talk to the, the clients, the people, and my boss always coach me to how to talk to them, like what is the way to go around with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at the same time, I do get coaching from my boss also. I see just before we move on, what's the name of the uh, company that you work for again? Osike. Osike. Okay. Organization O-Psych. Psychology. It's a I short see. for Organization Psychology. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we had a previous episode on our podcast where we talked a little bit about our own version of person- personal financial management. But today we're going to deep dive more into the psychological side of it, which would be very interesting. So I think like the first subtopic that would be very good to start off is about our comfortable limit in discussing about money, especially as millennials. Is it still a taboo for people to openly mention about their earnings or income? Or are people still, you know, not comfortable in talking about how much they earn, even with their close group of friends? because we are so ingrained with the idea like you can never talk about money in front of people as you could create like jealousy or hatred or even people looking down on you. Um, so do you think that have changed over time or is it still there? It's still there. It's still there globally. It's not even only in Malaysia, globally. Like the case of um, Google, there's a group of I think four women who's asking for equal pay and yeah. still, it's, a, it's still an ongoing fight and it's Google. Mm-hmm. It's a big company. It's supposed to like support, right? Yeah. Women's right and women's right and everything. And it's a global thing. It's, and I think the most shocking thing that I, I experienced in my career was um, last three years, I was working in a, in a startup company and mm-hmm. I was asked to be, I was asked to uh, run the HR department mm-hmm. of the startup company. And I was being trained because I didn't have any HR experience by the HR. And she told me that all um, their pay is confidential. Right. And you cannot share it with anybody else. And I was thinking, right, then how are we supposed to know our value? And how are we supposed to differentiate our value with our colleague? Yeah. And throughout the work life, when I was working in that company, I'm like thinking, this guy does not deserve this pay. <laughs> this woman deserves more pay. 
So I'm thinking yes. like, it's, it's so frustrating, but I can't even say it out right. loud. So yeah, I think it should change and people should talk about it more. So you're, you're in the opinion that salary should be transparent and it's it's a good thing for us to share with one another about how much we actually think, how much income we actually make and uh, compare in terms of, okay, I'm doing this kind of job, you're doing this kind of job and my performance is this and yours, yours is that. Um, just by having that discourse on salary will actually help the whole situation collectively. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I feel that it, it, it relieves some frustrations between people because sometimes we get frustrated. I spend the whole night doing this project mm. and this mm. colleague of mine is relaxing and chilling and he gets paid more than me. How do you feel working in that kind of position, yeah. right? Like, so that's what the company ins- ins- insists that salary will be um, to be very confidential because of that feeling. But at the same time, you're wondering, right? Is it worth it? Am I? Is it worth it for me to put all my work when I'm being paid this much and that person is being mm. paid more? I should have just chill. Like, you know, he's being more, so she should yeah. take the responsibility. Yeah. So, Magat, when you were working in JP, is there sort of like a thing where people just don't talk about money or is it pretty open in your company? Like, what's the vibe? I think, I mean, there's a whole... I'm going to sound like I'm championing the first, but there is a, a lot of effort to champion for uh, diversity, inclusion, and that includes uh, equal pay between right. uh, men and women. But on a personal level, I am very transparent about how much money I make versus my very close group of colleagues just to just to be aware of the the differences because at some point we diverge in our careers mm-hmm. some progress into different roles some stay within roles that would traditionally you know pay less and it depends on the way you start so i i think you know you might end up on different trajectories but i'm very transparent with my friends and my friends would then as well kind of share what they know so that you can benchmark yourself mm-hmm. right like you said Nero, i think it's important to have a basis of benchmarking because otherwise you will be kind of like in the limbo. You don't know where you stand and you kind of just uh, feel like you're floating with little sense of direction. I think transparency that you were, you mentioned full transparency is something that we'll never achieve mm-hmm. because even if you go into like um, there's this website on Google called the glass door it's always giving yeah. you a range that's mm-hmm. indicative, mm-hmm. but yeah. never like 100% accurate so you could I think the only way to get about it is to get some benchmarking from your colleagues that you will soon become close with who will hear stuff and you kind of get an idea and this is through the bad act of like perhaps gossiping (laughs) just talking to people but uh, <laughs> but I think it is important, and um, I I like people who are transparent with yeah. me, which allows me to be transparent yeah. with them. Yeah, I, I I like how your approach is about being transparent, so that we can actually learn and further ourselves in our personal finances. And that's that's something that I benefit a lot from reading 
the blogs of personal finance um, influencers in Malaysia, and even just the experiences that you write on your blog as well, Nurul, because th- these are unfortunately uh, very rare finds in the day that we live here. And mm. in the sense that a lot of people are not willing to speak to the, about their finances. And I was doing some reflection on this um, like a few weeks back, like why, why am I so afraid to speak about money? Why am I so afraid to tell people like, this is how much I have, this is what I'm earning. When if I really reflect on it, it's, it's sort of the fear of exposing myself, like this is actually my net worth. This is what I'm actually valued at from a monetary perspective, right? When uh, I think that when we actually face such facts and realities, we uplift ourselves when we realize that, okay, this is it. This is the fact. Now let's move forward with it. Let's figure a way out of this or figure mm-hmm. a way to improve our positioning. So this is my experience and see maybe some of y'all could relate to my feelings. But um, so before I did my PhD, I was working here for a bit and my colleagues are very transparent in how much they earn. But I guess in academia or science, even people don't really um, care much about earning so much because we all know there's not a lot of money um, you get in academia. So um But I remember when my friends back home in Malaysia would ask on how much I'm earning, I get a little bit uncomfortable in saying it, um, only because I know, obviously, they're going to compare with what they're earning as a research assistant, for example. Um, But I think it's a little bit difficult for me to have to justify on how much of that money goes to rent. And if you're, you know, if you're staying with your family, you probably contribute a certain amount but maybe not as much as how much I'm paying for my rent but then again you then pay more on transportation whereas I don't because I cycle so there's a lot of nuances that they won't see so I try not to be as transparent as much as I'd like to be um, when I talk to them because of the income being at a different currency and also a different country a different way of life but I suppose in that case it's my own um not really wanting them to feel bad, but I don't know if that's a common thing. Um, some people earn more than their peers, so they do become less transparent due to that. Due to that, do you think that's like um, you know, what do you guys think about it? It depends on how we, yeah, grow up, I guess, because like the group of mm-hmm. friends that I grew grew up with, mm-hmm. um, mostly are in Malaysia and we grow the same, I guess, grow the same, as in financially, we are like mm-hmm. almost the same mm-hmm. um, benchmark. There's not much of a big difference between our finances. So we have always been oh. open about okay. um, our finances since our, um, since we were school. But I guess, yeah, I get, I, I get what you're saying. When I meet friends in college, I was quite, like mm-hmm. taken aback because I was from Ipoh and when I moved to KL I didn't realize that what I wore and what I was eating or what I was my everyday decision <laughs> oh, was like a sin <laughs> because for me it's like when I wear yeah. it's like when I wear a jeans and shirt mm. that's that's my daily wear it's like that's this I didn't feel like I need mm. to wear something branded or something expensive or I need to buy clothes every other month 
I grew up buying clothes only once mm. a year during raya season because yeah that's 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 how I grew up with like I felt mm. like I don't need to buy every single month but when I was in college every single month like during after semester like mm. the semester exams they'll be shopping and I won't be shopping at all so they don't talk about it. they they don't they they feel like bad oh. for me but they don't talk about it you know they feel like oh maybe oh she's from Ipo and she can't afford it that's why she's not buying clothes yeah so i had that mm. vibe i felt that vibe with my college friends so yeah i don't talk about about money with my college friends so yeah i think i i i felt that also i felt like but actually it's not that i can't afford yeah, it exactly. it's just that i don't need it <laughs> Yeah. So you say that that was during college where you guys don't talk about it, but now um do you still keep in touch with these people are uh, are your relationships or conversations with them different or like how how do you speak to other people of different sort of personal finance approaches or philosophies because it's it's easy to speak to like I can speak easily with Bengat and Karin about how i approach my personal finance because we are close and i think we sort of share the same kind of um policies or ideas oh, yeah. about how we should yeah. handle it but how do you approach people who think differently who feel like their values are different in terms of personal finance i i, I don't keep in touch with my college friends now sadly but i do try to talk about it when i was with my colleagues I do ask and they're okay. open to talk about it I guess because I know uh, when I was, I was previously working I know everybody <laughs> that's really rare but I it's guess. good and but before I was in HR yeah before the HR role we do talk about it but we don't talk about mm. how much exactly we make it's like a yeah I have a few thousand like this mm. thousand but it's not like exactly I make mm. 4,650, something like that. It's just that, yeah, I make 3,000, but mm. it can be plus oh. minus. It's very, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not very clear. I think I find it easier talking about personal finance through my blog as compared to with my yeah. real friends, college friends, and only with my high school friends also because we were so close. Yeah, It's easier to talk about money <laughs> with strangers as compared to your friends, your colleague, and your your college friends. Yeah, I don't know. I think in 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 regards to that, there are two spectrums of people mm-hmm. when it comes to how much money I earn. On the one hand, you have people who are more reserved, perhaps like us, who who much rather not expand on how much money they make or flex necessarily in that regard. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have you know people. Who are always saying this is how much money I made, this is how I make my money, and these are typically the property um, agents or people who advocate for growing their wealth with property and join me and learn how to climb the property okay. ladder, and make your first million by thirty. I think the difference between these two spectrums: one is whether or not you want to actually give away your or showcase your power or keep it to yourself, because. It comes down to the fundamental belief that the more information you keep to yourself, the more power that you actually withhold for yourself. Because 
when you give away that information, I think you're just giving away some of your power, which I think is, I don't know if it's a smart move, but I'd much rather, you know, keep it to myself for the time being mm-hmm. and let people kind of gauge for themselves how much money I'm making, how much my net worth is and, you know, keep thinking. Yeah, I think in general, um, like Nurul was saying, you don't necessarily have to give an exact value. Um, it's just going giving like an average of number is um, a good start because I feel like people need to be more transparent because I remember being so lost in terms of um, am I earning or spending as much um, as I should be or am I falling behind in terms of my savings? Like what is the status of an academia in Malaysia? Nobody's really saying anything. Um so it's just nice to have that kind of conversation because, you know, you have people around you. Why can't I approach them? But like you said, Noral, it's easier to talk with strangers because you don't know them. And so you won't get this feeling of judgment as much and probably get more out of it as well. Um, but yeah, I guess it, the discomfort exists to kind of signal you to keep something to yourself to an extent. So it's not just discomfort because we don't um, want to say it, but it's just rather a feeling that, but it's just feeling the vibe of people around you, I guess. Generally, when we talk about money, there's always like feelings associated with it. It can be fear, um, anxiety, because, you know, they're currently facing some issues. So let's go more into the idea of fear of money or the fear of not having money and how that influences our life choices. Obviously, there has to be some sort of a system people go through when they think they're not earning enough or and or reaching an amount at a certain age because they want that stability. How much do you think it affects someone's choices? I think the main reason why there's fear around it is because most people have no idea or haven't never thought about it. These three things that I believe that needs to be written down. You have to actually take the time to sit down and write and answer these three questions, which are the first one is how much money you're comfortable to be earning yearly or in the future. Number two, the amount of money you want in your savings mm-hmm. and your investment account. And number three, your retirement income, if you ever want to retire um, on a yearly basis. And I can bet with you, a lot mm-hmm. of people cannot answer that question. Specifically, not it's like, oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want to have three million in my, in my, in my investment account. Yeah. Why? You got to break it down into dollar into yeah. every cent. How much money you're comfortable you want to be earning yearly? So for example, I'm comfortable with earning three thousand every month because I have my rent is eight hundred ringgit, for example, and my food budget is four hundred ringgit. So I have a specific mm. number to that. So most people do not have that specific number. They just want, oh, I just want to make yeah. six, six income. 
Okay, six income yeah. can be hundred thousand and can be nine hundred thousand. So, what mm. is your specific number? And what is your maximum number? So it's like I just want to have five incomes. Like, okay, it can be ten thousand, can be ninety thousand. So yeah, you have to have that specific number for all these three questions. How much money you're comfortable you want to be earning every year and your future amount. Number two, how much do you want in your savings and investment? And number three is your retirement income because. Okay, some people don't want to retire, yeah, but... I'm curious to know, number. why is your number three different from number one? As in, how much you want to earn now? Why is it different from how much you would want to have for retirement every month? It's, it's, mm. it's basically your lifestyle. Because right now, I have two kids who's young that I need to pay a lot more. But when I'm retired... Hopefully, I don't need to pay them anymore. Like, and you know, there's no, there's no need for me to like. They have their independence, so m- my income might be lower mm-hmm. as compared to now. Right now, maybe I need five thousand ringgit every mm-hmm. month because I need to cover their school right. fees and their nursery and, and everything else. But when I retire, maybe I just want a simple life. So it depends on your I goal. See. So that's why you have a specific number for everything. I think that that is the reason yeah. why we have that fear because we do not have that specific mm-hmm. like target point. Like when you are playing archery, you have that target. Yeah, yeah. You want to reach that great great point. We do not have that. We do not have that specific number. So yeah, I think that is the reason why we have that fear around us, and it lingers around us because of that. I think that's a very very interesting point. Um, so you having listed out these three points. I'm assuming you have these three numbers. You don't have to share it here, but I my question is more of: once you've decided on these three numbers, what what changed in you psychologically? How how is your approach into money different compared to before yeah. you knew these numbers? I have a target. Like I know every month that you know if I if I will ever 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 to stop my work, my business has to mm-hmm. be basically this number target number mm-hmm. for me to like survive or thrive so i have that specific number so even if i'm looking for a job for like a freelance job i know like for example this writing job is $100 okay if i make $100 a day and the next day and the next day, the next day it's already hitting my target instead of mm-hmm. just it's all over the place it's there's no right i'm not shooting right, the right. bird the right bird you know yeah something like that um, yeah but do you think the fear also starts because they don't want to come clean with the numbers that they should be aiming for because they don't they don't feel like they're going to get there? Oh, sorry, I was going to say I think the problem with being back in Malaysia for me is that you get immersed into the community again, which is something that you didn't really experience in London. It's a smaller community that you live in, London, um, and the the norm or the oh, sorry. The norm is that, you know, the target is always a moving target. Mm-hmm. As you progress and move along in your your job, you also have to move your target to having a bigger house, you know, upgrading your lifestyle. And it's something that you see in other people changing their cars, moving to a nicer house, you know, wearing nicer clothes and stuff. And I think that's the stressful part about having a target. You can't have a target. It's always moving. You can't always assume that you're going to be earning this much. You always have to model it on an exponentially increasing basis, which is something that's hard because, um, you know, the, the target's not fixed. I think that's where 
the the philosophy towards your financial goals are different, right? Because some people would choose to decide that my target is I want this lifestyle or I want this lifestyle to keep on growing. And as I grow older or I get better jobs, I want that lifestyle to also grow with me. And hence, I think that's what you described, my God, where some people would have that growing target or moving target. In, in, in comparison, I think what Nurul was describing is for people who instead has a has sort of an image in mind that in the future, they can be content with this amount of money. That life, that lifestyle that they're aiming for is a static one or something that they can imagine. And anything beyond that is bonus. It'll be great, but not necessary for them, right? Um, I, it's very interesting to see you say that, Neuro, because I, for the past few months, I've been going through a lot of my personal finances too. And out of the three questions, though I can't answer you, uh, for your third one, but I can definitely answer the first two. But um, it's great to hear from someone else because I think you've given me sort of clarity that that's sort of what switched in my mind as well. Because when I first answered the first question that, okay, I only need this amount yearly to pay for my lifestyle, I get so motivated. I get so focused. That, okay, this is the target now. I have clear in terms of vision for my financial goal. That's it I need to work on. Not necessary for me to say, find a job, keep working, sort of keep climbing the corporate ladder and just increasing my salary where it's a moving target. But I, I think I'm in the, in, I am in the same bucket as you in terms of this is the kind of lifestyle I want that I can be content with. And that's my target. Not sure what you think, Irene. So I think like in previous episode, I said something about pouring all my money um, well, essentially investing in my education. Um, so I'm kind of like starting from scratch. So this knowledge or questions rather will be useful as soon as hopefully I'll get a stable job. Um, well, I wouldn't say stable, but like, you know, a job with an income, then I'll go from there. But definitely wrote down the questions, so I shall keep that in mind. Put me on the spot. Our topic always changes. <laughs> our target always changes I think mm. because of what we're experiencing um, mm. with social media and everything back in the 80s and 70s okay I just share about my, my grandmother my late grandmother's goal my late grandmother is um, from Sabah mm-hmm. and my dad is from Sabah um, she's, she's in Kota Belut and the only goal she had in mind was that yeah. all her kids go to school, including her girls. And at that time, um, my auntie was like oh, the yeah. first girl who went to school in Sabah. That was in the wow. 60s, 50s, I think. And the kampung people all make fun. It's like, and um, my my late grandparents were Bajau and Iranun and their staple job is paddy field that you have to mm. know how to how to keep a paddy field how to uh, take care of the paddy field so my auntie went to school and the kampung people make fun as like okay when she grows up she doesn't she wouldn't know how to find food she would just be looking at the sky there's a saying in bajau so i was, I, I don't know the the saying itself but that's yeah, right. that's a translation of it so now she's stable and she has a government job and she's retired with a stable pay so she had only one target all her kids go to school and 
you know, have a stable job. And she wasn't influenced by the kampung people. And I think what we're, what's happening right now is that we are influenced not only by our friends and family, but also by social media, by the celebrities, yeah. by the influencers. So it changes all the time because of that. Because of that influence. Because that person has that, yeah. that car, that Mercedes car. I need to get a Mercedes car. That person has just upgraded BMW after three years of getting another exclusive car. I need to do that. So that's mm. the reason why we always change. We always evolve the influence mm. of the people surrounding us. And it's even right. worse now because we have social media. At, back in the days, it wasn't that bad because it was just around us. It just... Mm you know, our community itself because we don't know what's happening in the other side of the world. Yeah. Now it's like a global thing. You can see anybody's life yeah. Yeah. anytime, 24 hours. No shutting down. Like at that time, we can't talk someone in the States or in the UK to, in midnight. So now we can just access anybody's life 24 hours. So that psychologically yeah. changes how we feel. And our goals also. That I think that's my in my opinion. That's the reason why our goals always keep changing and keeps but evolving I think, I think because in of general, that. General, uh, like you said, when you were in college, you were surrounded by friends who are you know wearing branded clothes, and, and they're all. I look down on you, just very rude in my opinion. But, um, but it's just I think your surrounding is just always going to be influence you in some ways or one another but I think what's important is also what has been taught to you when you were young like does your parent taught you or instilled this belief to save your money and don't spend unnecessarily but then would that led to the kids being more you know more ruthless with their money or more like free with their money when they actually have an income because I remember I don't really have specific like knowledge about saving but then I remember my dad would always like put away our um, Raya mm. money um, in the bank. And that's pretty much the only saving tips that I got from him. Yeah. Um, when, I did my, when I did have my first income from a scholarship, <laughs> I went crazy. <laughs> because I suddenly have all this money because, you know, I can spend and do this stuff. And then I realized like, oh, crap, I need to live with it too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just really bad. Um, so in some aspects, you learn through like mistakes, I guess. Definitely, definitely. And when we are young, it's, it's, it's worse because um, we, that's why it's very, very important to set contact with kids because they might think it um, differently. Yeah. They might mm. take it differently. When we are young, we take it yeah. literally. When your dad, okay, when your parent, when your mom is so angry with you, you just peel the milk. But yeah. I can just wipe it off, right? I can just take the towel and wipe it off. But she was so, 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 so angry with you. She was screaming at you. She was cursing at you. Mm. You took it literally when you were eight. You didn't know better. But at that time, at the back of her mind, she was having mm. a bad day. She was having, she was having a yeah. trouble, trouble in work. But in your eight-year-old place, you felt like, I cannot make mm. any mistake. I have to be perfect. Because if I don't be, if I'm not perfect, someone will be screaming at me. That's why it's very important to 
you know, talk to your kids about things, everything. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you angry? And why do we act this way? So that mm-hmm. it doesn't scar you for life. So you don't have to pay a big amount of psychology mm-hmm. bill, therapy bills <laughs> in the future. Because that's what will happen. Because actually, yeah. right, whatever fear that we have, it mm-hmm. always boils down to our childhood. Once you find out the mother fear of your of that memory that you um that you you that impacted you, you can really fly. Like for example, when you are four, you ask for ice cream, and then your dad scolded you like, "No, do you think money grow on tree? Do you think do you think I am like a bank to you?" So because of that memory, you felt like, okay, I cannot ask for higher pay. Mm. I cannot ask for um, luxury stuff because money doesn't grow on tree. Money does, I'm not a banker. So I it see. affects everything you do in your life. So that's why I'm, like, I'm more cautious about how I speak to my kids about anything. So I think... <laughs> yeah going to that topic about childhood psychology because i'm living with more or less um two toddlers as well my nephews come to the house every day uh, as the parents go to work and we always try to find the right balance between um spoiling them and giving them as much as they want so to the extent that whatever they want to eat and you know we try to give them but where do you draw the line between giving them so much that I'm, I don't know if this is derailing, but they become kind of spoiled and feeling entitled to everything versus like you said, being a little bit more strict in regards to giving them ice cream or treating them because money don't doesn't grow on trees. How I deal with my daughter is that I just think of her like an adult. Like sometimes if I can't afford that ice cream or I, I can't afford that toy, I explained to her, um, you, do, do you understand why mm-hmm. why um, Ayah needs to work on weekends? Why Ayah needs to come back late? Ayah have to work twice as mm-hmm. much and Mama needs to work more because um, we have to, there's a lot of other expenses. We need to pay the house, we need to pay the electric bill, we need to mm-hmm. uh, give you groceries Talk to them. Talk to them like like an adult. Even though like, you know, they, they you never know. Maybe sometimes they don't get it. But actually yeah. mm-hmm. maybe the kids can really surprise you. And then my kid will be like, Oh, I need to work, yeah, so that we can go on a holiday and and then yeah, and we can go here and there. And and then she she always comes back and says, like, yeah, when I grow up, when I start work, I want to buy that for you. It's like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so it's like, talk to them like they are an adult, like a grown full adult. Don't treat them like kid. Treat them like their brain is like a, an adult and you talk to them like how you want them to feel. Try not, yeah. I think a lot of people like to protect them. I think as parents, I felt that way also. I want to protect them. I want to... If I can, I want to red carpet for them so that don't they don't have, they don't experience any kind of pain mm. because I did I I felt that pain when I was young, but actually, you they need to experience that in order to grow, so 
to, I think, in my opinion, is to keep talking to them like an adult. Like, you know, they understand the world more than us. They 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 view the world better than us. Yeah. This is a bit maybe irrelevant, but I remember just while you were talking about talking to kids about adult, I've seen this YouTube video where these parents teach their kids about taxation. (laughs) (laughs) So they basically give them allowance, and then when they give them, say, like $10, okay, guys, 20% goes to daddy because you owe him for this, and then 10% goes this, and they're like, why are you taking away my money? (laughs) You're spot on, though, Nuru, about this speaking to kids about adults i still i still personally find it weird when i see parents even my housemates who speak to their kids like adults i'm like why do you speak to them like this because i feel odd because my i guess my childhood experience has always been or uh people around me before what i've seen is this they're always baby speaking to kids right like oh yo 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 do this do that whatnot they don't really speak to them as adults but living with my housemates here they treat them like adults. I find it weird, but uh, the more I rationalize with them, like, oh, why Why do you do this? And they, they concur the same message as you. They, you need to educate them, right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> the way I speak, uh, speaking like adults to my nephew means me being very sarcastic to my nephews, which led to a telling off by the parents. <laughs> <laughs> why are you bullying him? Stop bullying him. I was like, no, I'm not raising my voice. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> And they're like, you're being too sarcastic. Like, they don't know sarcasm <laughs> at seven years old. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Stress. But you'll never know. Kids really, they really are very observant. They're really, really observant. They know more about than we think they do. us adults than ourselves. <laughs> yeah, they think they do, yeah. Listen, listen. <laughs> okay. But, but I, I guess I, a follow-up question would be, and maybe this is related really closely to what you do now, Nuno. How do you speak to adults now who have this fear instilled in them, right? Because it's really hard to teach old dogs new tricks. <laughs> okay, what I learned from my, um, my, um, the company I'm working with, that's what she does, actually, you know, teaching mm. adults how to calm down <laughs> we um we have different brain waves and we are we are always on our like crazy mode crazy 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 mode because mm-hmm. we're always like eight o'clock start work one o'clock lunch and then two o'clock start working and then mm-hmm. after that it's like clockwork and it's always busy mm-hmm. busy 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 better so what works the most during her training is that she brings the um the client down to theta mode to a lower a lower brain wave when you bring down to a lower brain wave you think clearer and a lot of things come to to your to your mind but the problem is even when we're going to sleep we are on beta mode because of our phone so meditation helps to bring us down to that um, calm mode and actually we know what to do we don't need so many coaches we don't need so many you don't need to spend so much money mm. on 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 a lot of stuff we just need to calm down <laughs> and you know go back to ourselves go back to our childhood 
what really works during this training is that she does a uh, she plays a calming music and she does a meditation and she brings us back to our childhood because when we were a child we already know what we really really wanted we had that imagination we had that 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 curiosity but as we grow older our teachers our parents our aunties our family keep saying that oh you can't reach that goal it's it's too difficult it's 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 impossible going back to that childhood imagination curiosity mind it actually in mm-hmm. you you know what you really really wanted to do because as adults we have been we have been uh, putting in our mind how to be more realistic and psychologically we are 80% mm-hmm. negative actually because if you are 100% positive Yeah, because when if you are hundred percent positive, I can just cross the road without looking left and right, right? I'm like I super positive that no car will be will be hitting me, so yeah. I just I cross the road without looking left and right. So uh, I don't need to wear a seatbelt when I'm I'm driving a car. I don't need to wear a helmet when I'm riding a motorbike because I'm so positive that I would not meet an accident. So we are built to be negative, and we always. Think from our survival mode. We are always on our survival mode because yeah. that's how we survive since our since since um the ancient times, right? When when we see a tiger, we run for it. We don't yeah. think. We don't. We just want to save ourselves. So going back, the training does is to just take a step back and calm ourselves down and. You know, just go back to ourselves. Go back to our authentic self. Because when we were young, we were pure. We are like, you know, white cloth. We really know what to, what we wanted to do, but we were all clogged up by society, by the media. So, what really works is just meditation, keeping it calm, and just going back to yourself. Just going back to your younger self and to find out what you really, really. What really hurt you, and what made you feel and fear build up on this fear, uh, fear on? From my experience, a lot of people, especially men, really need it because we were the men were told from young, you cannot cry. You have to be a man. You have mm-hmm. to keep your feelings aside. Women is easier because you know we we are we are asked to oh don't cry we you, you can do this you know you 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 women are like it's easier for us to like um share mm-hmm. our feelings especially with us girls that's why guys that's why statistically um guys die faster <laughs> with heart attack <laughs> there's higher number of heart attacks than yeah. men as compared to women yeah. Basically, all our diseases start off psychologically, and I'm not sure about the statistic, but most of the um, percentage of hospitalization is sourced by psychology, like sourced by psychological effect. It started off by psychological effect. One of the experience that I have with this um uh, one of the training is that this guy has have had a a Um, arm pain for the longest time, 
and he's been going for physiotherapy. He's been going for all the doctors. They they just cannot find out what is wrong with it. What what is wrong with his pain? When he did the meditation, he saw a bird on his shoulder, and it's heavy. It was heavy. And when she was, he was sharing it. <coughs> actually, um, he had lost contact with his daughter, which he was really really proud of, mm-hmm. and he misses her. He misses her a lot. Yeah. So a doctor cannot tell you that. <laughs> the only way you can you you know that pain is through yourself. It's like, and it's been killing him. It's been it's been heavy on him. That's why he had that pain, that that arm pain for so long. And a lot of if you talk a, a lot of like my experience, my clients all a lot of their pain is psychological. Starts with psychological. So. Um. Yeah. Just meditate, meditating, and sometimes you don't get it straight away. You mm-hmm. need to go like again and again and again. Keep meditating, meditating until you get the source of your problem. But the basic thing is meditating on, um, yourself. Like that's how that's how you teach adults yeah. <laughs> to, I think, change. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was really good advice. I know it personally, and I think a lot of people share this. We adults, but especially as we grow older, reflecting on ourselves—that's a really difficult thing to do. And though I think we all appreciate the need for it, I think very few of us one have the time or take the time to actually do it and just reflect on ourselves. And as you said, meditation is a very practical way of doing it. I think that's that's a really good advice that even I would. Take it to mind, especially I'm statistically <laughs> more prone to get heart attack as well. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. <laughs> because we are like, um, I think when we are bored, we have our phone yeah. all the time. We don't. When was the last time we go out and mm. look at the sky, at the cloud, admire the stars, right? Or admire the tree, admire the scenery. Without looking at your phone, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that being present is it's it's you just need to you just need yeah, to keep it. experiencing being present. Yeah. Hashtag living life in the present moment. <laughs> yeah, very heavy. Heavy stuff. I mean. I mean, clearly, it opened up, you know, my eyes and probably the boys too. <laughs> oh, this is awesome! I like it. Awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. I think very, very valuable in general. I definitely have a lot of questions to answer. Um, kind of want to reiterate some of the things that Nurul has mentioned throughout this podcast. You want to make sure to answer the top three questions. Um, so, in terms of financial wise, um, one of them is how much money are you comfortable? Um, to earn yearly and second is how much money you're planning to have in your savings and investment and the third is the amount of money in your retirement account so those three questions are what you want to answer to avoid you being vague about your financial goals and then the second bit which i find really interesting is that uh, especially for us adults um, for us to retrain our thoughts or retrain our habits and especially in like personal financial habits um, you want to be able to have a moment of clarity so to get that moment of clarity you want to meditate 
Um, I think all in all that um, a lot of businesses can say you can make 10,000, you can make 100,000 with selling this product. And we all think that um, financial freedom means that we have to have a five-figure income, six-figure income, which always would not be that case. the case. Um, sometimes some people are comfortable with just making a simple amount, a simple life, and stick to it like you know go back to yourself go back to your authentic authentic self and you know stick to it don't don't let anybody else influence what you need to do and what you need to say and i think that's the reason why a lot of people are like always get influenced and get fooled by um financial scams because of that because they don't answer these three simple questions and not everybody are meant or want the hustle life, a lot of people want a simple life and yeah, go back to your authentic, mm. authentic self by, you know, just breathing. So if you've enjoyed our conversation today and would like to discover more about Nurul or her pseudonym Dear Do It, feel free to visit her blog, her Instagram and Twitter handle. We'll link it up in our uh, podcast description later on. But yeah, and if you want to engage with us at any point, as always, do tweet it to us on our Twitter handle, Instagram, The Enablers Pod. We thank you very much, Cheryl, for your time and also your sharing of your thoughts and opinions. And we wish you all the best from now. Thank you for having me. I feel um, very, very honorable like honorable and I don't feel that I need that I can share a lot and I feel I hope that whatever I share is valuable and I hope you know a lot of people more people will talk more about personal finance then. Okay. Until then we'll see. Bye. Bye. Bye.